0: Welcome to Cosmic Dice, the podcast for new players and players who want to expand their knowledge on tabletop gaming. We're your hosts. I'm Lemons. And I'm Snazzy. Please enjoy listening to our Snazzy chat.
1: With a hint of Lemon. Um. so next one let's talk about what system to use do you know what system you're going to be
0: using um i'm going to be using the starfinder system just because i know that that's the one i've started in that's the one that i have the most limited knowledge yeah. on well, well and that's super the wise. most knowledge that i have is starfinder mm-hmm. <laughs> still super limited but but there's a
1: lot of wisdom in that i'm uh, doing one you're familiar with that way you're not relearning
0: everything or even rewriting everything if
1: you're trying to do a
0: homebrew system. Right, right. And where I am homebrewing the story, I wanted as little as possible focus on mechanics mm-hmm. and as much focus as I could on the story so it's a enjoyable time for the players.
1: Perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, And there's lots of, I'm sure, videos, podcasts, and just information on what system's good for what and i actually don't have much of an opinion on that i think it's all personal preference i like the starfinder system mostly because i have a lot of books for it and i've played it right um, but uh you know other people might do other systems and i'll let you guys do the research for that or maybe we'll make a separate video of it sometime right we'll or a separate podcast of a it
0: separate podcast for it um just to name a few well, go ahead and just name a few of the systems that are out there. So, I've uh, D&D is your biggest system.
1: It's the m- oldest system, I believe. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it's the oldest system. Um, Star Wars actually has a newer system out where they have their own dice. There's not numbers on any of them. They're all like little symbols and stuff. Really? Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I had one of the books, but uh, um, I decided to go the Starfinder route instead. Um there's Starfinder and Pathfinder. They're both made by Paizo. That's where my preference lies. Um, there's GURPS. Um, They have a D6 system, um, but they're very good for, um, you know, being very homebrewy um, yeah. in a sense. Um, that's, that's, the, that's that's the that's the new word, word of the day. Yeah, homebrewy. That's a good word.
0: Homebrewy.
1: I claim that word. That is now my word. All right. So you have a system. Um, you know mm-hmm. what scale your story is going to be on. How long of a campaign? Actually, I think you did comments
0: on that. I kind of talked about it. We're going to do a one-shot on, on, on this one. But my goal is to build a world on that, that large scale. So a series of one-shots. That, that I could do a series of one-shots or even come back to the same world and do a full-blown you know, 10, 15, 20-episode campaign inside the same world
1: yeah no that sounds super fun super awesome actually
0: Um, like like you said a lot of world building and -hmm. it's a lot of work right now but i think it's going to pay off yeah in the future with the ability to recycle and reuse Mm -hmm.
1: well and there's lots of pros and cons for each direction you could do super long campaigns and you can do super short campaigns i prefer near the short area and Mm -hmm. the reason for that is it doesn't get old you don't get sick of the world um and each one can be unique um, in its own way. Um, I also get, you know, as a game master, I get burned out on my own worlds. So usually I try to make a session last three or four months if you're playing once a week. Um, that's kind of my ideal area yeah. of our length of time.
0: I like, the, I like the idea of a campaign that isn't super short but isn't super long. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, because it's it's good to it's good to stay away from it's good to stay away from that boredom Mm -hmm. and getting bored of even getting bored of a GM, for instance. Yeah, because we all have different games that we like to play. We like to cycle through those because we get bored.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and being able to cycle through them helps a lot for players who do get that way, but. I will say, some players like the consistency. Um, I have seen people running the same game for years. Um, Usually these are very open world games. They're not very story-driven. I'm attached to story-driven campaigns because I take... I'm a writer. I take pride in story. Um, But a lot of people like the idea of a very open and undecided world. The GM sits there. He's like, all right, what are you guys doing? And the players are like, think I'm going to go to this planet. Yeah, that sounds fun. Let's go over there. Oh, cool. Uh, on your way, you uh, run into a spaceship. <laughs> you know?
0: And yeah.
1: like, oh, cool. We crash into the spaceship. And then you just see where it goes. That takes a lot of skill on the game master's part. Right. Um, being on the ball. Um,
0: yeah, being on the ball, being able to describe... That many different things, just on, on, on a whim. Spot. yeah. On the yeah. whim.
1: That's a good way to say it.
0: Um, on a whim. I you're, mean, you're literally creating a story on a whim rather than creating a story and then coming into it and having to still create it on a whim because your players decide to go a different direction. Exactly. Or they rip the head off your robot. I mean, either way. Or they rip way. the head off your robot. Um,
1: so there are pros and cons to both, um, both directions. You can take that. So, if you're doing a long campaign where it, it's not super story driven, all of a sudden, you don't have to stress about your story being derailed. You don't have to worry about your players taking it somewhere random because you already know they are. Right. You never know where they're going to take it. And you know what? It's a whole lot easier to plan random than it is to plan a story.
0: Right. Well, and when you're planning random, you can kind of guide to different points Mm -hmm. that you want them to hit. So say you want them to hit that spaceship. Mm -hmm. They're going to travel off the planet at some point. Yeah. They can hit that spaceship now or they can hit it in three sessions. Yeah,
1: exactly. You're only planning small plots um, here and there. And you're just kind of going, I wonder which one they'll hit today. Or they're in the middle of a plot, and you just kind of build off of where they ended last. Mm -hmm. So a lot easier to plan, um, less worry about derailing. Let's talk about the pros of a short campaign.
0: I think one of the biggest pros of a short campaign is the ability to have it be action-packed with roleplay. Yeah. And good storytelling.
1: I agree. I think role play is more fun in a shorter campaign because it's more story driven. You're like, right. wow, this villain who've you been building up to? What is my reaction going to be to that to that boss when I meet him? Am I gonna just charge him because I'm I'm in rage, or like what would my character do in that situation? Um, and I guess you can have a lot of that role play in the other one, but there's less building up to things. And we touched on another pro of a shorter campaign, is it helps with boredom. Um,
0: Yes. We
1: don't get stuck in that groove of, I guess I can miss this campaign, don't know what we're going to do, it doesn't matter, because, you know, who knows where it goes. And it's less of a hit or miss session.
0: Right. I was talking to someone the other day who has been in the same campaign for the last four years. Oh, my gosh. And they play two to three times a month. That's that's a long time for one story.
1: That is a very long time. I'd actually like to see the outcome because I mean there are people who make that a great
0: story. Mm-hmm. At this point though, the person is going to be leaving that campaign because they're bored of everything that's been going on.
1: Gotcha. So they are feeling that, that kind
0: of that burnout. So that to burnout. Speak.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, I think that burnout has helped out a lot when you have a GM who switches in and out, when you have players who relieve that GM sometimes um, and take over. Um, yeah.
0: Just to, just to switch up the monotony of it sometimes. Uh, it's kind of funny to say that a game's going to get monotonous, but it's yeah. something we're doing for fun. But it does happen.
1: We grind in video games. There's no reason you can't look at it the same way on tabletop. There mm-hmm. is a grind in tabletop so yep i like purpose and that i think is my favorite thing about shorter campaigns they feel like they have more purpose yeah
0: they're a little more intentional about here's point a here's Mm -hmm. point b
1: yeah but i i do see a lot of players um kind of look for something in between both of these and i think almost with anything we talk about today that middle ground is going to be that best area
0: yeah yeah i agree i agree with that entirely
1: so let's talk about your campaign again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you, you're doing an episodic campaign, but what is it going to be? Is it going to be more open Is or is it going to be story-driven?
0: Um, so it's actually going to be more open world. Um, I'm getting a series of places together, a series of descriptions basically, mm-hmm. and the crew can go about it however they want. Yeah, It's all... The same world, it's all going to be in the same area, but the crew can go about it how they want.
1: Very interesting. And I think you're doing uh, this campaign in a very unique way. You're trying to hit the best of both worlds. You're doing Mm -hmm. story-driven episodically within an open world. And that I've never actually done myself.
0: Right. And that's why I thought – that's why I loved this plot, I guess, or this – yeah, this plot that I'm pulling from. Mm -hmm is basically it allowed me to go out there in this game and I could go wherever I wanted. There wasn't any particular direction they said go this way. You could spend your entire time going around the world before you ever even found the colony.
1: Okay, so let's, let's hit that real quick. Let's do a little scenario. I'm going to be a difficult player. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on your world. Mm-hmm. You have a very obvious path that we need to go to. Mm-hmm. But instead... I'm gonna start my own city. Okay. So me and these players just stand on that for a long time. What do you do in that situation?
0: I mean, in that in that situation, you bring in outside forces.
1: Perfect. So you're so, bringing the plot to them.
0: So you bring in threats. You bring in something that might make them move, whether that's an avalanche or something like that. But you, you can't, as a GM. You can't come through and say every time, oh, look, there's an avalanche. <laughs> and on the other side of you, there's another avalanche, leaving you one perfect path straight in front of you to my storyline.
1: An avalanche? That's the fifth one this week. <laughs> <laughs> fifth one tonight. Fifth one today, yeah.
0: um, So no, I, think, a... I think it takes some skill to, and some balance to find that.
1: That might be a good idea for you then is to come up with several other smaller plot lines around that area that they can end up hitting right um, now, I've, whether they steer to that main plot line or they are their own little side quest.
0: Right now I've come up with some little ghost towns. Um, some there's some ghost towns. There's some outside threats like wolves um, for instance. And then there's also threats that I'm bringing in like, avalanches yeah
1: um (laughs) write this down since i'll be playing it later how to
0: (laughs) overcome an avalanche (laughs) um so various threats that i've that i've included that are going to affect the team at some point Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of at what point the team gets to that area
1: absolutely and being episodic you'll have that flexibility we could Mm -hmm. do it this session
0: or we could do it Like you said, in a month or two months even. It could be a year from now, and Mm -hmm. that's when you finally hit that point. I'm writing a lot of material in the beginning with the hopes of hitting a fifth of it. Yeah. So. Absolutely.
1: Cool. That was a fun little scenario. Um, One thing I like to do before I present my uh, campaign to my players or even just that chapter to the players, I go talk to my wife. And I'm like, all right, so here's what's happening you're at this point. What decision would you as a character make? And she throws out two or three scenarios. And then I plan from there. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to change that. And I'm going to lead them here if they choose this. And if they choose that, um, they'll have a piano drop on them. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could be...
0: a <laughs> Total player wipeout.
1: Total player wipeout. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, just being prepared for that. Um, uh, Which is something, again, we're touching on later. Um, and, in fact, we could probably do a whole video on, you know, how to do that. How to overcome your obnoxious players derailing uh, your, your campaign. Um, mm-hmm. Really fun stuff. It's also fun to try to derail people's campaign. A lot yes. of players take pride in that. I do. Yeah. I do. Yes, you do. <laughs> you are one of those players for sure. And just remember, someday... The script will be flipped, and I will be your player. And I've given you way too
0: much information about the campaign, so...
1: (laughs) I wonder if there'll be an avalanche. (laughs) Uh,
0: Not today, there's two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the fifth avalanche today.
0: You overcome one avalanche, only to land at the bottom of a hill.
1: And you sigh in relief, echoing through the chamber, causing another avalanche.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. All right takes out the entire party but you and you have no clothes for some odd reason (laughs) in a frozen tundra why did your clothes fall off avalanche man you never know (laughs) that doesn't even make sense it's D. &D. does it have to make sense
1: yes (laughs) yes it does
0: (laughs) that's another point i want to make about a story is when you're doing an open world campaign it has to still make sense You have to be able to, on a whim, make sense. sense. (laughs) Yeah. You can't just – and I think that's a huge con. You can't do what I do and say – you can't do what
1: I say and just say, oh, a piano falls on you. You die. Right. There has to be a reason a piano fell on them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to cut this rope that these people are pulling on. Then a piano falls on you. Right. that makes sense.
0: Right. Don't try to pickpocket.
1: So avalanches can't rip off clothing, for example. That doesn't make sense.
0: Yes. Well, it does, but it doesn't.
1: Yeah, we'll have to discuss that one later.
0: (laughs) Okay, so we've covered where to start, before pen hits paper, that sort of thing. Let's talk about plot and story. When it comes to the plot and story, how do you proceed at this point?
1: Okay, so you may have started with your plot, so you already have that covered. You may have started with your story, so you already got that covered. You have to fill in the rest of those starting blanks. So if you haven't done your character creation for your players, now is probably the time to do that. If you haven't created a plot for your story, now's probably the time to do that. So just taking those first four points we talked about, plots, stories, characters, and events. Next step is to fill in what you don't have. That doesn't mean you have to create every single event, but you probably should create um, some of the big events that your players are going to hit.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think these big points, I call the GM's points, um, because that's where I am going to lead the players. So you have your big points that I'm going to lead you ultimately to. I might have you go and hit some smaller points on the way. These I'm going to call smaller points or the gm smaller points right they're going to be you know backstories or subplots or even side quests
0: which you're in the middle of writing a side quest right now aren't you
1: i am yeah um because we couldn't get together um on time for the podcast um as a group i'm just taking um you and zesty on a side quest and we're going to be doing that tomorrow morning um awesome
0: so so tell me a little bit about that
1: (laughs) yeah so what's gonna happen no (laughs) (laughs) oh man good try though i thought it
0: was i thought it was worth it he had
1: the biggest grin like it was actually gonna work
0: (laughs) 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 you try to put a man against a wall
1: so do you have any questions on those points and what they are
0: um, I don't really have a question on the GM's point. I mean, it kind of seems like that's the climax of the story, right? Yeah. So that's that's the tip.
1: The GM's point is that climax. Yeah. That is your main plot showdown, your boss fight. And you can have a main point for um, just a session or you can mm-hmm. have a main point for the campaign as a whole.
0: Right. Right. In
1: fact, you probably should for each. I know I do.
0: And then smaller points. Now, there can be there, – there needs to be several points to build up to the GM's main point. Mm-hmm. Um, and smaller points doesn't really cover that. What would that be – would that is that where you get into the GM's path?
1: Yeah. So your GM's path is going to be the lines between points. Okay. So the greatest thing about the paths – is you don't have to write a whole lot. That's the player's job. Um, They fill in the gaps between points. Mm -hmm. So I might put a few NPCs there to help guide them, but ultimately it's their job to get from point to point. Right. So, for example, if we're on a quest to seek the Holy Grail, um, and you catch wind of an old man who might know where the Holy Grail is. You and your players then are free to fill in the blanks to get to that probably first point, right? Right. Um, and so, you and your players say, alright, um, we take the high road to, get, to find this old man. Um, we seek him in this town. Um, and then we play through your adventure there. I might have a few, you know, Smaller points on the way that might be barriers to block that path or checkpoints to help guide you a different direction. Or I might even have a whole side quest on your journey there. I like it. But you're the one who's writing the path. Right. Um, When you get to that point, you've talked to the old man. He says, oh, the Holy Grail, it's over here in...
0: um, Hillbilly
1: town, And then you go to Hillbilly Town. And that's another line that you and your players are going to fill.
0: And it's not there because it would have never been in a Hillbilly Town.
1: Actually, that's why no one's ever found it. They didn't look in a Hillbilly Town for the Holy Grail. It's been sitting there the whole time. The hillbillies,
0: I they live forever. I literally have it at home.
1: You have the Holy Grail at home?
0: Yeah, it's nice. a cup that I've written Holy Grail on.
1: <laughs> Please tell me it's like a solo cup.
0: Uh, no, it's one of those plastic ones from the dollar store
1: oh nice so it's not even a solo cup right nice so do you have any questions on points smaller points or the big plot point or the
0: climactic point so when it comes to these points and you've got point a and you've got point b point a being where you start what happens if your players decide to go point z yeah directly behind them what do you what do you do in those yeah they
1: decide to just go the opposite direction completely so first of all that's obnoxious um (laughs) but a lot of players do it and that is totally okay um some some game styles are, are designed for that um but if they do that and it's a very story driven game don't be afraid to put barriers in their path don't be afraid to put people who give them hints to go back that direction But um, something else you can do, and I think your players will appreciate this, have a a series of small um, side quests that they can run into um, when Mm -hmm. they go those directions. Um, I think that that is important because you're helping the players feel like they are doing what they want instead of doing what you want. No one likes a GM who is very much like, oh, you can't go that way. You have to go this way. Because I haven't written that. That's, just, that's obnoxious.
0: Right. And a hindrance to the story, really. It is.
1: It, it's, if the players wanted to read a book written by the GM, they would read a book written by the GM. But that's not the case. They want to help build a story with you. Right. Let them. Let them build the story they want. Right. It's not a one-man show.
0: Well, I think one of the best things that a GM can do is come prepared with a couple of extra NPCs. Oh, absolutely. That have no place in their story. Mm -hmm. They have no purpose other than to be there in case you need another NPC because no one wants to sit there while you build an NPC to waiting for the story to actually commence.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, and NPCs, they can do a lot. Not only can they... Um, like direct players um, and give them new quests or side quests they can help the player grow their own personal story um, in the sense of bonding with the player um, or they could become enemies to the player and then you might want to add them later on anyway right so now that you've got kind of a handful of ideas and you're like ready to actually start writing it down. Um, I wanted to kind of go through a a, a layout. Um, I wanted to go Mm. through a layout that helps me um, write down my, my campaigns. So you have these points, right? Um, Let's call these points goals, whether they're large points or small points. So I'm going to write, Goal, or I'm going to type goal, and I'm going to list what that goal is. Um, For example, um, we just crash landed on a planet and we have to escape. Goal, big goal. Um, Now, I need to write down either a checkpoint, a barrier, or a consequence for decisions made. So, a checkpoint is something that's going to help guide to another point. Um, Maybe it's a new spaceship or some technology or repair parts to help you escape this planet. Um, It'll be in the form of an NPC or a letter saying, Hey, I know where some spare parts are. They're five miles down the river. All of a sudden, you have a direction to meet this goal. Um, Or I could put a barrier. Say you reach this river you run into another NPC and that NPC tells you, oh, you're going the wrong direction. Okay. Um, so that would be a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, in a sense, it's kind of a checkpoint too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let's think of an idea for a barrier.
0: Let's talk about our last campaign. Okay. Um, we showed up. We were inside this building. We got out of the building. Once we were outside of the building... There was obviously – you made it very clear that there was a group of guys sitting down at a table at the end of this alleyway. You set that scene. What would have happened had we said, you know what? We're going to go left. What kind of barrier could you put in place there to make it so we end up?
1: Yeah. So I actually had some literal barriers um, in the sense of you guys were in this dome. So if you had gone straight backwards, you would have hit the edge of that dome. And you mm. couldn't go through. So that's an example of a literal barrier. Um, and I actually didn't set any more barriers up. I set up checkpoints to guide you to the right direction. Um, and these checkpoints wouldn't have guided you back to these guards. But they would have guided you back to any of these factions. For example, they might have been like, oh, yeah, you need to join a, a gang if you want citizenship. Oh, yeah, you should probably go to the Citadel and talk to a recruiter. Um They'd come in the form of advice, and then you'd go talk to the recruiters and choose your game from there.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's an example of our game, um, some barriers you hit, um, and some checkpoints—or some barriers you could have hit and some checkpoints you could have hit. Mm-hmm. Both having the same goal of guiding the players. So let's talk about the third one, consequences.
0: Okay. So consequences. Um Obviously, there's a consequence for every action. Mm-hmm. Um, for every action, there's a reaction, I believe is this saying, right? Yeah. And some consequences can look as simple as, well, let's, let's talk about a big consequence. Mm-hmm. A big consequence is in our game right now, there's a magical staff that powers this dome. That's protecting the world from radiation hmm we need that staff in order to just turn on the portal to get in home. order to get home if we take that staff, there's this moral complication of exposing an entire planet to radiation
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's a that's a consequence that's a really extreme example but it's still a the consequence there is we could take out an entire world and how's the person who sent us on this quest going to feel when we get back and they're like, Oh, you brought us back the staff. Awesome. That's so cool. But,
1: and and they might not ever know or there might be consequences and that's something you're not sure. And so as a GM, these consequences, you have to plan on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, if you guys take that staff, what might happen? You kill the whole world. Maybe, maybe even yourselves. Because you don't know how long it's going to take to, you know, get from um, where the staff is back to your portal the whole time the shield being down. Maybe you didn't think about that. Or maybe nothing would happen. Maybe the shield would stay there for a while. Maybe the shield would stay there for a while um, and you'd be okay. So I've planned for the scenario that you guys take that. There are consequences for taking it and for not taking it. Um, But the idea is to set up the scenario for both occasions. And the consequence, no matter which choice you make, is going to lead to the next plot point.
0: Yeah. I've got ideas. (laughs) I think think you're tricking us with this radiation bit. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens.
1: We will see what happens. Actually, uh, we'd be seeing what happens tomorrow if uh, everyone was going to show up, but now we're going to have to wait till next week.
0: This sucks. I just need to know if he lives.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. The spoilers.
0: <laughs> spoilers will not be given away here, though.
1: So does that layout make sense? You set a goal. You have a series of checkpoints, barriers, or consequences within that goal. And then it brings you to the next point. And then you kind of rinse and repeat.
0: hmm hmm I like that a lot. And then f- finally, just the the contingencies. Making sure that we're expecting the unexpected when it comes to your players. Because at the end of the day, every game has that player – That's like
1: or more than one of those
0: players. That's like, you know what? I'm gonna take this mechanic from the last section and dismantle your boss with it.
1: Yeah. Well, and every group has that player who is like, Wow, my my GM worked really hard, probably spent, you know, good ten hours on this campaign. I wonder how I can make all of that null. I wonder how I could screw him up. <laughs> and you know what? They will. Let me tell you a situation that happened to me in uh, camp- one, my, my very first written campaign I ever did. So I planned this big old boss scene where um, the boss wasn't there. Uh, the main bad guy wasn't there, I should say. Um, but a big old guy in a mech was there. And he was guarding uh, the prince of this nation. That our players had to rescue. Um, and they also needed this big old crane, um, kind of from a different plot point, that was supposed to pull their ship out of the water. And they're like, you know what? Before we go there, let's go get that crane. And so they go through the adventure of getting their crane, and then they drive it up to the mech, they lift it up with its big old magnet, and they throw it into the lake. <laughs> I'm like, there was no fight. But, like, I, I had to improvise, and the, improv- the improvising was really easy that time, you know? It's like, yeah, you pick up the boss. Yep, you successfully drop the boss in the water. Yep, all your rolls are fine. Your engineering check to manage the crane was fine. He shoots a few times at you, but uh, ultimately, there goes my boss fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I could have improvised in different ways, but because I was on the spot, that's what I came up with. And that made the players really happy anyway. Players love when they get to thwart the GM. Um, it's almost This is true. Yeah. It's almost like defeating the bigger boss. You know, the GM's a yep. real boss.
0: Yep. Nope. 100%. It's all us players against the GM. It is. So here's kind of what we've talked about. We've talked about where to start. We've talked about the plot, story, character creation, or event um, as different places to play pull a story from. We've talked about what system to use, large scale versus small scale. We've talked about how long of a campaign, whether it's story-driven or open world, uh, different points, uh, paths, and smaller points. We've talked about a different layout to be able to set up your goal, checkpoint, barrier, and consequences, and then the contingency to expect the unexpected. I think the overarching theme of today's podcast really comes down to expecting the unexpected keeping it interesting for your players um, keeping the content exciting
1: so yeah I'm glad we we touched on like the basics of building a story Um, and I think there's a lot more detail we can go into yeah we'll probably reserve for further episodes maybe make an episode out of each one Um, and uh, one of those is keeping combat exciting yeah. Um, that's one thing you'll see a lot of people just coming up with new ideas and um, trying to keep their combat less mechanical of, I roll to hit, your turn. You roll to hit, my turn. You know, different ways. I roll that. success. I succeed, you don't. I succeed, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so keeping combat exciting, um, making opportunities for your players to use their skills Um, building characters and NPCs around your story, role-playing, helping the group to Mm role-play. That's one that I'm working on now is helping my group to role-play. Because we have uh, the theme of bringing in new people, a lot of our our players are a little bit shy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the last one is uh, that we came up with today. Uh, Do you remember (laughs) what that one was?
0: Loot Goblins. (laughs) How to
1: deal with your Loot Goblin. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah those those might be some further episodes we see
0: yeah for sure so that's what we got for you guys today
1: yeah um without further ado let's uh cue music Thank you so much for listening. We live stream Miniature Mondays at 6pm Mountain Time on Twitch. We also will release our snazzy chats every Wednesday and our actual gameplay on Fridays. Check us out on Twitter, Patreon, and Twitch. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you're working on in the tabletop world. Are you a new player? How did you get into tabletop? Are you an experienced player? Teach us something new. We love the advice. Thanks again for tuning in to Cosmic Dice, the podcast.